0: Hello there, witches and wizards and everyone in between. Welcome to our very first episode of Hogwarts
1: University. I'm Alex. And I'm Courtney. And Hogwarts University is a podcast that we have decided to bring to all of you in order to more fully round out the wizarding educational system. So on this podcast every week... Either Alex or I will do a deep dive into a certain subject that came up in the chapter. So this could be history, this could be science, this could be really anything you can think of, Um, something modern, something ancient. It's just us giving a deeper dive into something that was maybe brought up in Harry Potter and not expanded on enough, or something that we've always just been curious about that comes up in Harry Potter. So, for example, Hermione Granger, awesome, overall badass and muggleborn was I guess expected to attend Hogwarts and never learn anything about the genetics of wizardry and Charlie Weasley was literally a dragon scientist and never got an advanced advanced degree in dragons. So, these are the kind of things that we want to dive into with you to give a more well-rounded view of the wizarding world and the things that weren't covered in the books.
0: Yes, exactly. Um, As much as I love Hogwarts and want to attend it, just as we all did when we were 11 and hoped to get our letters, um, I can't imagine (laughs) my real world education only extending to essentially the sixth grade. If I stopped learning all of the um, science and history and even language arts, guys, I am a teacher. I teach fifth graders. If we all wrote like we were in fifth grade, we would be having a pretty big problem And so just we noticed that Hogwarts had a ton of gaps in the education um, and thought that this would be a cool way to kind of contribute our own little bit to the wizarding world that we all watch.
1: And you might be thinking what makes Courtney and Alex qualified professors? Um,
0: well, I do like the ring of professor. Yeah,
1: me too. Um, I might be jinxing it for myself, uh, down the road, but (laughs) I am currently a studying to get my PhD in quantitative biology. And Alex, as she mentioned, is a fifth grade teacher and a specifically a teacher in history. So, yes, I, yeah I'm a
0: special education teacher but my um concentration was in history that is true
1: so we like to think we have a little added perspective in addition to being massive lifelong Harry Potter nerds
0: yes and one other thing that we wanted to address before we really dive in to chapter one um one of the most classics and one of the most probably read chapters of the series. Um, We wanted to quickly address what has been going on in the world with J.K. Rowling because as I'm sure you know if you're listening to this you're familiar with the Harry Potter universe and probably familiar with some of the statements that J.K. has been making recently. Um, We wanted to say that We are not in support of her recent statements. We are very strong LGBTQ allies. um, And we really don't appreciate the way that she has been discrediting members of the community. Mm -hmm. With that being said, we do appreciate her for the world that she gifted us all. Um, and we want to expand on, instead of focusing on her, we want to focus on that amazing world where so many of us came to learn acceptance and love and belonging in a community.
1: Absolutely. Yes. And we think we can honor this community by expanding on it and by interacting with the community independent of the author that created it. I think we've, we can all agree we've moved past JK in our appreciation of each other and our views um, being expanded obviously beyond wh- what has limited her.
0: Exactly. Well said. So without further ado, um, let's get a little bit into chapter one the boy who Lived. um wow. a very
1: i know it's powerful <laughs> it's, it's literally like talking about the first chapter of the first book it's like tbt god
0: yes <laughs> for real um i think for most of us this book specifically is so incredibly nostalgic unless you I know that there are some people who probably started at Prisoner of Azkaban or Goblet of Fire when the popularity was really picking up.
1: Mm-hmm. But
0: I think for most of us, we started right here um, at the beginning of Sorcerer's Stone or, and or Philosopher's Stone. If um, you're an OG. We're you're, you're a true OG. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, that's
1: you know what, that in and of itself could be a whole topic.
0: Yeah. Philosopher's stone versus sorcerer's stone.
1: But cuz philosopher's stone is a thing and sorcerer's stone is not a thing.
0: <laughs> yes,
1: exactly. Um
0: but you know, us Americans are too stupid to know what a philosopher's stone is. Yeah.
1: We'll so, definitely be diving into alchemy at some point, I am sure. Oh.
0: 100%. Not the math side of alchemy, at least not for me, because that is too much to process. But maybe our PhD candidate can do more on that subject.
1: Yeah, we'll see about that. <laughs>
0: um, anyway, I think we all know and love chapter one. But for those of you that haven't read it in a while, it's one of the few chapters. And this is actually a pattern that we see from JK um, in each book. Some of the books start out with... A Perspective That's Not Harry's, which is pretty interesting. It's a pretty cool literary device um, to introduce new characters. So we get to hear all about Mr. Dursley's day um, working as a man who sells drills. Um, He's very boring. (laughs) Like, How did she
1: even come up with that?
0: right exactly you know it's funny because i always think when i think of um the Dursleys, like thinking of vernon as a drill salesman just fits him so well because that just sounds very boring mhm and it's like a boring droll. company yes <laughs> exactly um so We hear about his day, there's some strange things going on, owls flying around which he doesn't see because he's too busy focusing on his drills to pay attention out the window, people dressed curiously but he thinks that they're just pulling some sort of stunt for a charity. Um, But then he hears a whisper about the potters and their son, Harry. The Potters, specifically Mrs. Potter, is Mrs. Dursley's sister, who it sounds like they're not on very good terms with. Um, and so they're kind of curious as to what could be going on, but they don't want to be delving too deeply because it's pretty taboo to talk about the Potters in their household. Why, we don't know.
1: Not yet, so, we don't.
0: Exactly. We are soon to find out. Um, and then another weird thing that happens, literary-wise, is the perspective shifts halfway through the chapter. And correct me if I'm wrong, Courtney, but I think that this is the only chapter in the series where the perspective shifts halfway through.
1: That I can think of, yes, but I guess we'll we'll see as we reread. Right. Yeah, I can't think of another instance where it does.
0: Yeah, so I thought that that was pretty significant. Um, It's interesting just the way that Mr. Dursley and then this newly introduced character, Albus Dumbledore, are kind of foils to each other. They really are stark contrasts of one another. Everywhere where Mr. Dursley is boring and practical and typical, um, Albus is unique and eccentric and (laughs) um, curious, for lack of a better word. Cool. I love it. Um, And so... We meet Dumbledore and soon after um, McGonagall, who, while it never directly says, seems to have transformed from a cat. Kind of our first sign of magic um, in the entire book. They're having a conversation um, about something that has happened, this big event involving the potters We find out that the Potters have passed away but their little boy Harry um, seems to have somehow survived this event that happened. And they're talking about this bad guy, Voldemort, and how Harry somehow managed to survive him and that Voldemort is gone. Um, We get introduced to Kind of two characters, but really just one. Um, Hagrid, who seems to just be this giant man. He sounds larger than life. Um, Carrying a tiny baby that turns out to be none other than the boy who lived, Harry Potter. And we end the chapter with Harry being left on the Dursley's doorstep with nothing more than a blanket and a letter in his hand. And that is a very quick summary of The Boy Who Lived.
1: Boom. Oh. Um, so I think it's the, the artist is the person who does the My Life as a Background Slytherin mm-hmm. comics. Uh-huh. But have you ever seen the comic where it's McGonagall and Dumbledore? And <laughs> McGonagall's like, you're just going to leave the kid here? And <laughs> Dumbledore just literally drops Harry. <laughs> and he goes, it's dropped yeah <laughs> just like it's like done yeah it's very relatable content because he he literally just left an infant on a doorstep like i maybe there's magic protecting him we'll we'll never know but i'm it's just like savage <laughs> oh i
0: yeah um especially because it says that like harry was there for 12 hours it's october in england england is not a warm place in the fall
1: no it's and he's just like straight chilling. I'm like, what? On like, why? Why? That's all I have to say about that.
0: I also want to um, know the contents of the letter because could one letter really give the Dursleys enough knowledge to understand why they have to take Harry in? Why it can't be somebody no way, else? Yeah.
1: Do you know what would make it so awesome if that was actually a howler like Loki? <laughs> oh, that would
0: be so cool. Doesn't he send, when jumping ahead, like five books, doesn't he send Petunia what looks like a howler that just says, remember my last? Or is that an actual piece of paper?
1: I think he does send her Cause I, something that like a howler. Because
0: yeah. I remember it being ridiculous that harry didn't recognize his voice yeah but
1: yeah i think so so now people are gonna be yelling at us i'm sorry guys i know i know we we the have books and movies really blend together they, for me. they
0: sure do especially when we haven't reread them in a while this will be my first harry potter rereading probably in oh gosh probably like four or five years
1: Oh same because you want to want to know the last time I reread the Harry Potters all the all of them. Yes. Yeah. I read all 7 books in 10 days before we went to Harry Potter World in 2014.
0: Oh. Yeah, I do remember you doing it that quickly. I did it the same summer yeah. but
1: I took longer than you did for sure. Yeah, I read them all in a week and a half. So, that's I impressive. This one's going to be This is going to be like one a week. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Two chapters a week, I guess. Yep. Yep. Take several years. Um, (laughs) It's fine. All right. All right. So, obviously, a pretty quick chapter. Um, There wasn't a plethora of subject matter to uh, deep dive into in the, I believe, 17 pages that that chapter took. Um, so I decided to do something kind of interesting, and it was based off of people wearing weird shit in the street. So I decided to do a brief look into witch fashion. Ooh! And wizard, but which specifically because they're kind of more stereotypical. I love this. I'm excited to learn more. Yeah, so my main sources at the top here, I got a lot from a Slate article called The History of the Witch's Hat. Pretty straightforward there. And a Day's Beauty article on the history of witch beauty um, supplemented with a hefty dose of Reddit and Wikipedia scrolling. Gotta love Reddit and Wiki as sources. Yeah, I, honestly, like, if you just need a tidbit... Like, Wikipedia is the place. Oh, for
0: sure. Also, this is our college course.
1: We get to decide what is an acceptable source and what's not. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, this is a chill college course. We allow Wikipedia in this this class. So, um, to start off, there's actually, like, so much information on the hat compared to the rest of the outfit, which I guess is not super surprising, but Was interesting to research. Yeah, for sure. So, the pointed hat, it turns out, has long been associated with the devil and by, like, societal perception, thus associated with witchcraft and non-Christian culture as well.
0: Wait, I'm already, like, (laughs) I'm already picturing the classic, like, you know, red... With horns and a forked tail, but now he's wearing a hat. And there are actually there are depictions of the devil wearing a that hat. That is amazing. I am not a fan of the devil by any means. Please don't take it that way. But I do, I do like him with a little bit of fashion flair.
1: Yeah, he's he's mixing it up. So perhaps the first known use of a hat that looked like a witch's hat is in was found in mummies actually they are called the witches of I'm going to say Subeshi that could totally be wrong um and they were actually named the witches of Subeshi because they were discovered in the second half of the 1900s so we don't know that they were practicing witchcraft it was because they were found with two-foot-tall black witch-like hats on that they were so named mm. the Witches of super. And what part of the world was this? And they're, so they're actually in modern-day Xinjiang which is the very northwest corner of China. Okay. Yeah. And so they're part of what's called the Tarim mummies which is just essentially a bunch of mummies were found in that area of China because it's so cold and dry there that it essentially just like slowed decomposition. Wow. So so they're actually not, like, mummified like the Egyptians were. They were just buried in a place that's so hard for, like, decomposition to occur that they just essentially are really well preserved. That is super interesting, and
0: there's no way that other cultures could have preserved, like, the cloth of their hats on purpose, too, like... Because right. cloth is typically yeah. a very felt. decomposable substance.
1: Oh, yeah. And they yeah they got their two-foot-tall felt black witch hats going wow. on. Wow. And so this was either the 4th or 3rd century BC. Wow. So this was like 5-ish thousand years ago.
0: That is just incredible. We learn so much about the past from mummies both the accidentally mummified and the ones that were on purpose
1: yeah and it's it's they sound like badasses so there's there's three of them that were found with these hats and one had like a really thick glove on Mm. and they think it's because she used a freaking like she like the hun from Mulan did and used like a bird to help her oh that is
0: so cool
1: so she, like, had a glove, I presumably, so that it could land on her arm, is what I'm thinking. Mm-hmm. Not a master on bird handling. But that's what they think it was for, is for hunting that is with, like, awesome. a bird. You know, <laughs> talk
0: about weird sources. Um, Andrew Zimmerman does that in an episode of Bizarre Foods. And that will always... He hunts He hunts with, hunts a, bird? with a bird.
1: So we don't know what their hats were for. Um... But they were, like, badasses with really tall witches hats. So that's the first, like, kind of recorded wearing of that style of hats. That's hat. so cool. So then there were a few more, like, socially acceptable uses of pointy hats. There's actually, like, pointy hats have been around. Um, but some examples I saw were were the, like, remember at like the renaissance festival there's like those really tall pointed hats with like the fabric kind of coming out Yes. so there were those (laughs) um worn by like fancy ladies in medieval times Uh um which is a classic they don't think that relates to the eventual characterization of witches um just kind of a fun one and then there's also the like smurf style pointy like the lumpy pointy hats and those were actually worn by French revolutionaries and they were called liberty caps that's so interesting back in the 1700s yeah so those those are no I was just going to say I feel like
0: hats used to be a lot more symbolic in societies and today they're just kind of like it's a hat you're wearing a baseball cap. Cool.
1: What's that? A uh-huh. hat. Crazy, funky, Over something. There. Hat. Hair oh. and <laughs> trying to look like ne- Karen. uh sorry if anyone didn't watch Disney about fifteen years ago. Um. So, but then so um, pointy hats took a a less desirable turn into racism and um. Oppression. Okay, Ooh. unfortunately, in that's quite a twist. So, yeah. So, in twelve fifteen A.D. or C.E., either one. Um, the fourth council of I'm gonna I'm gonna guess Lateran. These there's it was twelve fifteen. So we're right. gonna go with it. <laughs> the fourth council of Lateran. Re- Like essentially made an edict that required Jews to start wearing a horned skull cap which looks just like a witch's hat um, so that they might be identified.
0: Wow. So like a
1: Star of David
0: for the 1200s essentially.
1: Exactly. Yes. And as you can imagine that style of hat was immediately associated with anti-Semitic culture and the devil. Gross horrible yes so then in 1431 a hungarian law was passed that required first-time witchcraft or sorcery offenders to don the jewish hat or the witch hat so then it starts becoming kind of an overarching symbol of non-christian culture
0: wow that is just heavy like to it yes yes It's hard sometimes to remember that the stigmatization of the Jewish people wasn't just a single horrible, unfortunate incident of the 20th century that they have been dealing with that oppression for literally hundreds going on thousands of years.
1: Yes, yeah. And so... If you kind of reflect on it, you can actually see that this tendency to associate witchcraft and non-Christian culture with a Jewish likeness um, is something that's been pretty prevalent um, in portrayals in fictional work of witches and other stereotypical mystical creatures.
0: I think even relating back to... Harry Potter, I am positive that we will delve into this um, later on in this podcast, but there are a lot of parallels that were created as Wizarding World as an oppressed society to what the Jewish people experienced some of the many times that they were oppressed. Oh, yes. Yeah
1: yeah and we'll you we will certainly go into that we will dive into yeah all cases where j k. Rowling did made characters a certain way that were definitely very stereotypical, whether that be against Jewish people or other cultures. yeah we will certainly be diving into how how culture was interpreted. While when non-white in these books and in fantasy novels Mm -hmm. at large yeah so from there i think so in my opinion i think that is a, a very strong case for the potential history of the witch hat because nowadays i don't think this is really true but witchcraft was originally associated with Essentially, like, making a deal with the devil. So, to have the devil wearing a witch hat and these sort of associations, I think that path in history does make sense for why this became a thing. Um, But one theory that's uh, sexist, but a little less of a oppression bummer, little less, um, is the theory that the hats actually came from alewives. So alewives are bad bitch lady beer. Yes.
0: Now that I can get behind. they wore
1: tall? Yes. Um. So they wore tall, but not pointed hats. But they were like pretty, pretty gave them some height, so they were visible. And so there's a theory that this may have contributed to the origin of the witch hat after brewing became male dominated and start and men started accusing women of making oh bad beer. Oh my gosh,
0: of course they did.
1: So the things I kind of love about this though is it's like it's like obviously not the sexism but just like the concept of like sinister beer ladies like fucking with people i'm 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 into i i absolutely Um, but it kind of i mean
0: we're from colorado we love our micro brews and that just kind (laughs) of makes me want to start a witch's brewery up in fort Collins.
1: i know right (laughs) i'm with you but so this is like amazing because so first of all they were accused of making patrons who drank their beer sick and i'm like like a potion um and so it's, it's just, like, this lady in a tall hat, like, presumably stirring a giant cauldron of beer. And another thing about it is that the way that they indicated that they had, like, beer ready to drink inside was they would put a broomstick against their door frame. Oh!
0: To, to like, prop open the yeah. door and let people know that they could come in.
1: I think it was just, like, the cla- like everyone probably had a broom. So that was just, like, became the signal. That's so that interesting. Appear. And so I, I'm into it. Because it's, like, ladies with tall hats stirring their cauldrons. They got a broom. And they also, like, part of the reason they were portrayed as witches but, was because at the time, like, a female having wide knowledge of herbology was really suspect. Because it was, like, witch time. Like, witch trials were starting to become a thing. And so it's like badass ladies who know what plants do like stir in their cauldrons. I'm I wanna be a Absolutely.
0: All right. Here here's <laughs> the new deal, you guys. When we reach let's let's say let's aim high, when we reach a hundred thousand Patreon donors, Courtney and I will <laughs> start a microbrewery called Witches Brew and we will wear the tall pointy hats. We will have the cauldrons of beer, and everybody that's a donor will get a free six-pack.
1: I gotta be honest, I don't know if it's, like, I could be convinced <laughs> at a much lower Patreon.
0: <laughs> well, yeah, that's true. We'll see. We'll see where, where it goes, how it takes off.
1: Yeah, we'll see where it takes us, Yeah. But so those are, like, those are some of the historical theories about how it came about. Once story... So in the 1700s, England started including witches in storybooks and began to portray them with the classic hat. So this was when it kind of got adopted into, like, the public narrative as a whole. And from there, it was... Kind of maintained in the public consciousness, so to speak, and then it was launched into the public consciousness with the Wizard. Okay, boss.
0: the Wicked Witch of the West.
1: Exactly. Yes. So she, um, all hail, was where a lot of like modern characterizations of witches. That's really boss. interesting. Because she's, a I-, I mean, yes.
0: I would have thought that some of the depictions would have predated her. So it's cool to see that she is kind of the beginning of a lot of our modern interpretations of witches.
1: Yeah, I mean, things definitely predate her um, regarding the hat and whatever, the cauldron, etc., like the mod, like the pop culture version of witches that we're really familiar with, um, as kind of like a fantasy and like a Halloween costume mm-hmm. and all that kind of stuff. See, a lot of that seems to have kind of become a thing with the so it was.
0: It's sort of that's when it transformed it from a scary, taboo subject in society to something more fantastical.
1: Okay, right. got yes, it. I think so. That makes a lot of sense. Yeah. So that's that's a summary on the origin of the witch hat. There's definitely there's a lot here because I think pointed hats are were a pretty common fashion choice just like
0: mm-hmm. throughout
1: history. So there's definitely a. Oh, my dog just shook. Sorry <laughs> if you can hear that. Um, there's a lot of other places that might have helped inspire or led to this um but I thought those were the most compelling and the most interesting
0: and I want to be an alewife. same I have a new ambition in life so that's pretty
1: exciting <laughs> maybe we should even pre-dating our microbrewery we maybe we should make um ale wife which is Bruce merch
0: that would when be we get around to merch so cool like, oh my I'm, I'm goodness. I'm really
1: into that idea. Yeah, so yeah, look let, out for that. Let us
0: know if you Coming would be interested way. in it, because it's definitely something we could make happen.
1: Yeah, we'll at least have two shirts yeah. going into <laughs> And production. probably one for our
0: moms. We could convince our moms to That's wear true. those shirts. Or my you very know, Catholic poly. religious no, mother wearing a witch's shirt. <laughs> um wow that was super cool I I've never given much thought to I guess the pointed hat and just always associated it with witches but it's really interesting to hear about where it comes from
1: yeah so I did also a brief dive into okay witch clothing like the The robes and the cloaks we see over and over again in Harry Potter. I will say this is not as straightforward. I think that JK made just like a choice of how she wanted her Mm
0: -hmm. witches and
1: wizards to look. Um, And it was, it's just like not as classically historical. Um, But there are some references for sure. I think a lot of it certainly has to do with the historical timing of witch trials. So if you think about how Dumbledore is described, like, dresses, cloaks, heeled boots were all really common when witch mm-hmm. trials were occurring. That's how everybody dressed. And even J.K. Rowling says in um, on WizardingWorld.com that a lot of the way wizards dress now is essentially how they dressed when they went into hiding from muggles and they just, like, kind of never Yeah, Yeah,
0: I, I just made that connection in my head, just how it seems like a lot of wizarding culture kind of stagnated once they went into hiding.
1: Definitely. Yeah, for sure. And she even says that, so I think that, like, certainly was an inspiration for how they dress in the books. And I also think, like, when we think about witches and wizards, like, we probably think about, like, colonial american salem witch trial garb or like merlin and these sort of um portrayals of how they were to dress and i don't think that's really changed with time like we also kind of see them that way in addition shakespeare describes them in the scottish play as wild in their attire so this kind of goes along with how JK Rowling describes them being in bright colors and kind of just like doing their own thing. Mm-hmm. I couldn't find a lot of reason for at least in pop culture, which is which is typically being portrayed in black. Um, if a listener knows, I would love to know cause I really couldn't find anything. Um, I would speculate it's because they're often depicted, like, traveling at night and being kind of spooky. Um, so I, I don't know if that just has to do with their portrayal. As, especially back in the old times, being associated with the devil, there might be, like, a darkness
0: that right. wanted
1: to be depicted. But I didn't find anything solid about that. So if you know, if a listener out there knows for sure hit us up because I would love to know if there's a a different reason than that. Um, As for the robes that are mentioned throughout Harry Potter. So I did find a few things, not necessarily set in stone, but some possible explanations. Um, First of all, the Norse God Odin was often depicted in robes when he traveled and he was a magician. So there's that kind of Norse mythology element and, We will probably get into Norse mythology again um, in in a deep dive, because um, J.K. Rowling got a lot of inspiration from a lot of religions, including Norse mythology. There's also the kind of concept of robes as being like noble or mysterious, so we wear them for graduations. Religious people wear them. Secret societies wear them. So they hold this kind of. Like academic. And like important. Mm-hmm. Sense to them. And make like an air of mystery. And sometimes like wayfaring. Like travelers are often. Right. Cloaks or robes. It definitely.
0: it and, When you see somebody in a robe. Or a cloak. It's. It brings about a sense of otherness.
1: Right. Yes. Exactly. It's a great word for it. And the last thing I found, because um, in researching this, I found a ton about modern day witches, so people who practice Wicca, um, which makes sense, because if you're looking into, like, witch clothing, you're gonna (laughs) find that. Um, And actually, ritual robes are a part of modern Wicca for some witches. So that's just kind of, yeah, that's kind of just an interesting, I don't know that's necessarily where J.K. Rowling got it or where our historical narrative of witches comes from, but it is an interesting thing to know. It definitely is cool
0: that those traditions are being carried on by modern Wiccas and witches today.
1: Yeah, another interesting thing to note is that the typical witch wear for um I think rituals and such is actually nudity. Um because they're connecting with the earth and nature and that's right how you are naturally. Um but I I kind of, I thought that was interesting and opposite to what we all probably characterize in our minds about What's common? Yeah, for witches to wear, (laughs) for sure.
0: That you know what that brings us to our whole other topic that I think is pretty hotly debated. In
1: OMG, (laughs) yes, this is what I was going to ask you. Go ahead. So, the classic Harry Potter question that is does not matter at all, but I think every fan has an opinion on: Are they wearing clothes? Or at the least, undergarments under their robes.
0: Do you want me to answer my opinion? Okay, I would, I would okay. love
1: to hear your. Argument.
0: I definitely think that modern day wizards and witches wear clothes under their robes, um, simply because at one of their uniform requirements is the pants or skirts and shirts. And I also don't feel like robes are practical for dueling. They would seem very cumbersome and not allow the ease of movement that pants would. Um, But I feel like there are probably eccentric people that don't wear clothes under their robes. Like, I feel like it's the equivalent of going commando in our world.
1: Yeah, 100%. I'm I'm pretty much on the same page as you. I think my guess is that it totally has to do with your age. Yes. (laughs) Because I bet if you're like 20, you're like, I'm not doing that. Like, even if you grew up solely in the wizarding world and never interacted with muggles, like, I think you would have enough exposure to modern day to be like, no. And so I can see, like... The Dumbledore age, just like maybe having like their underwear yeah. on underneath, and then yeah, a few rogue souls being um, completely
0: mm-hmm. breezy
1: underneath. <laughs> but I bet you people, the the younger generations have probably adapt adapted to um, a combo, if you will, having maybe some jeans and a tee under their robes for um functionality. Well, I'm also purposes. thinking about how.
0: When you see Snape's worst memory in the pen and James flips him upside down, can you imagine if he wasn't wearing anything underneath his robe when he flipped him upside down? <laughs> that would be absolutely not. very that's, scarring. No. And ugh. I mean, obviously, the memory was scarring enough for Snape, but to just accidentally flash all of your classmates, that's like. Having one of those nightmares where you're naked at school. Mm.
1: That that would be not that would <laughs> no too much no. <laughs> too much absolutely not. Although I'm pretty sure it says. If it doesn't say, this is like a weird thing for me to say. But I'm pre- Doesn't it say his underwear is like not good? Where that his underwear is what? Oh, it does. I think maybe it like, says like it's not like good, pattered. like dingy or something. Yeah, and I'm hmm. like, that's yeah. horrifying. If he had just had pants on, he could have just avoided wear the pants, all the embarrassment.
0: Babe. Put your pants on.
1: Yeah, I bet you he still doesn't. Like, all the way oh, through God. the
0: books, I no! Oh, no! It's just um, <laughs> we would love to hear your opinions on this matter. So, in your review on itunes or um spotify or wherever you're listening to the podcast let us know in the review do wizards wear clothes underneath their robes and we will read out a couple of your answers in our upcoming episodes
1: yeah and feel free to reach out to us um our instagram specifically which is probably where We'll be doing most interacting because we're in our 20s, um, is at Hogwarts Uni Podcast. So that's Hogwarts Uni Podcast. Um, and let us know. And we didn't mention this at the top of the episode, but it is intentional that we did not tell you our Hogwarts houses. Um, we will reveal those eventually, but we would love to hear your guesses for that too. So tell us if Wizards Go Commando. And then tell us what houses you think we're in.
0: That Um, is your Don't get those two things
1: confused.
0: Don't forget. Yes, just like any other class, you're going to have some homework. But luckily, ours is much more fun. Um, You can also check us out on Patreon. We would love and appreciate you forever if you're able to sponsor us. Um, We also understand that everybody... Is in different financial situations right now, um, so if you can't, no worries. But even a small donation will help us out so much as we start this journey.
1: Yeah, and you'll oh, get absolutely sick perks. So hashtag to consider. <laughs> yeah, you'll be you'll have an Alewives T-shirt and be dubbed an official Love teacher's it. pet. So, what more <laughs> could you really want in your life? Um, I don't know if you have noticed this, Alex, but I started watching Shits yes. Creek at your insistence, and now hey, I talk that like is David, not bad. I definitely, I like say I'm like so, and my eyebrows. I go definitely up, like, after oh
0: <laughs> if I binge watch a few episodes of Shits Creek, have an Alexis vibe. I'm just
1: like, mmm, mmm, boop i love that <laughs> <name> so much <laughs> well thank you for listening catch us next week to hear alex's lecture on a mystery All topic right. in chapter have two have a
0: great week see ya
1: bye bye